Happy Sunday, Dunbo. Happy Sunday, Dolly. So we're back at Culver's, but we're in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, I think technically it's called Portage where we're at. Okay, well, <laughs> that's hilarious, Dunbo. Well, it's near Kalamazoo. What is it that, that it has to be exactly on? I can just say Kalamazoo. Well, you know, I'm Mr. Literal. You really are. <laughs> Honest to God, it makes me crazy. That is one thing that makes me crazy. I thought it made you happy. It doesn't make me happy. <laughs> but your joking around with me makes me happy. Well, good. Well, anyway, so we're on our way back from our fantastic 2021 summer vacation in lovely South Bend, Indiana. Now, some people might ask, why South Bend? And it's because we've got two loved ones down there. We've got baby Joe and his beautiful fiance, Emily. We love Emily Kate and we love Jojo. Well, we had a chance to spend some time with them this last week, and it was a real treat to spend a week living the life of somebody that lives in South Bend and getting to know the area where they live and all the fun things to do. We went to a baseball game. Yep, Friday night went to a baseball game. The South Bend Cubs. Yep. Sadly, they lost, but... They got beat by a team from Wisconsin called the Tumble Rattlers. No, the Timber Rattlers. Oh, the... T <laughs> <laughs> I've had too much ice cream. The Timber Rattlers, which apparently is a real snake. Well, and the Tumble Rattlers are the Timber Rattlers that fall down the hill. <laughs> Well, anyway, so that baseball game was fun. So I think that was a, Joseph said it was an A team. So it sounds like, and they're a feed, a farm team that feeds into the um, Chicago, Chicago Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. And so they were young, young men, Very weren't young. they? Well, I would say 17, 18, 19 year olds. But what a beautiful stadium and what a great time. The field was gorgeous. The stadium was really nice. We got a good parking place close by and. So and they had cool. Stu, the ma the mascot, who's a cub. The Stu from the Studebaker is the big, one of the big sponsors there. And so we saw the mascot. He was in front of us. And the stadium is nice and small, so you could, I mean, there's no seat was a bad seat, right? Yeah, it was great to be able to sit and keep an eye on the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter until we had the lefties whose backs were turned to us. But it was great fun. And afterwards, they had fireworks, which we loved. Yeah, it was a great time. And we, we had uh, lots of fun things to do in South Bend. We got a chance to see the St. Joseph River and several places, and Notre Dame in several places. And We went to Indianapolis on Tuesday to visit my dad's brother, my uncle Frank, and his beautiful wife Charlotte, and two of my cousins, and kids of cousins it was just so much fun we enjoyed our time there and then um one of the other things we did that was really interesting which i didn't think i was going to be that interested because it was cars but it was we went to the studebaker national museum yeah which had a lot of information about how the studebaker company got its start making wagons first for the westward a trek across the country as the West was settled uh, somewhere around 
60% of the wagons that people took, the Conestoga wagons, were made by Studebaker. And they also made them for the U.S. Army, and they made them for the British Army, which was the big surprise for me. Well, yeah, they, they made them for the Civil War, the Union side in the Civil War, and they had huge orders of wagons, and one of the things that certainly led to the victory of the Union over the Rebels was the ability to supply these great volumes of materials to their troops wherever they went. And of course, the uh, the wagons that made a reputation for the Civil War um, participation, they also made the caissons, what they called them, for the cannons that were also mobile. And so it was a really interesting thing to see how they started with just settlers who were making wagons, making roads, you know, making wood and, and metal. farmers. Farmers and making these pieces of what they needed to do their farming work and to keep making them for ultimately farm implements, uh, wagons of all sorts. They had a dump wagon, which was a precursor of the dump truck. And believe it or not, they had an open bottom. They made hearses to be pulled by horses. And, um, you know, it just was really interesting to see the variety of vehicles that they made before the automobile. And before, and the one war that they said that they, that the British, they supplied them to the British was called the Bears War. Was that B-O-E-R-S? Bears or that Boers? That was the Boer War. B-O-E-R okay. in South Africa. Yeah. So can you imagine something made in South Bend, Indiana in South Africa while they, the British tried to conquer, they, the farmers were the Boers. Yes. So, anyways, but yeah, it was wild. And then, of course, you know, once they started making cars, they had really cool cars. And, of course, I love hood ornaments, so I took pictures of all the hood ornaments because I think they're just super cool. And there was one of a woman that had her left arm outstretched. I couldn't get a good picture because it was up on a was holder. It was like in a stair. Yeah, it was on a storage rack. And uh, I couldn't get a close-up of that, but you could clearly see that her left arm was extended outward. And then she was almost like in a yoga pose. Yeah. Is what it reminded me of, so. Yeah, back before yoga was invented. Right. <laughs> before it was yoga. Oh, my gosh. So we just had the best time, and we cooked dinners. We cooked dinners with Emily and Joe, and we went out to dinner a couple of times. And it was just so, so absolutely wonderful just to be just having just random time together and just you know one day we didn't see them until very late in the day because they had an obligation um, of an event that they had to go to so that worked out for us that was the day we went to the Studebaker Museum and it just was nice just to be living like in the next neighborhood over from them just like we lived there and yeah in fact a couple of times they rode their bikes over to where we were at yeah and then rode home it was cool it was just super cool so super cool Definitely putting it on my list of things to do again. In fact, Emily and I um, looked at a couple other VRBOs today um, in the same neighborhood. And uh, we like the one we were in, but we just are interested maybe in one that might have, a you know, some extra room in case we want some other relatives to join us. And might so. be a little bit closer to them. Just a teensy bit, a couple of blocks, yeah. So, anyway, honey, you know what tomorrow is? Well, isn't it Flag Day? 
Well, today's actually Flag Day oh, this year, this well, Sunday. But guess what tomorrow is? The anniversary of our engagement. Yes, June 14th. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, the day that almost didn't happen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because the Red Wings were in the playoffs, I almost didn't get engaged. Well, yeah, you were engaged certainly a day later. Do you want to tell the story, or do you want me to tell the story? Oh, honey, you can tell the story. You tell it so much different. I mean, better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell my version, and then you can tell yours. Yeah, I'll add the corrections this time. Okay, so, my turn to so just set the scene. It's Friday night. It's after work. We have plans to go on a weekend to, for two nights up to Glen Arbor to stay at the homestead. At the homestead inn. Yeah, which is in the Leelanau Peninsula, for anybody who's interested in the geography. Um, so Friday night after work, you know, of course, it's terrible traffic out of Detroit. I get up to Dennis's house. I'm exhausted from working all week. We have dinner, and we're supposed to get right on the road. I'm like, we can't go anywhere. The Red Wings are playing tonight. So we stayed at your house until the game was over, and it was like double overtime. <laughs> I don't think we left your house till after midnight. It was after midnight. It was almost one o'clock. So then we leave your house to go on this four and a half hour drive to Glen Arbor and we get checked in. And on the way, you know, it was so dark. I remember going through um, some of those twists and turns. Yeah. On those two lane roads up there that there was like all of a sudden we turned a corner and there's like a deer just standing there. It was the weirdest thing. So we get there, and of course, you know, we check in, we sleep in the next day, everything's great. We go, um, so then on Saturday we drove up to Northport. Yeah. And then we drove home, and as we're driving home, so this is Saturday evening, you said to me, hey, would you like to... Sunday. No, we drove up on a Friday, babe. Uh, yeah, we didn't... So Come Saturday night, Saturday night. We we're driving home. home. I mean, we're driving back to Glen Arbor to our hotel, to oh, the inn, okay. on Saturday night from Northport. Because okay. we always drive up to see the lighthouse, and then we come back, yes. right? We come down through Leland, and then back to Glen Arbor. So we're on our way from Northport to Glen Arbor. And I remember you saying to me, oh, it kind of looks like it might be a nice night to go down and have a sunset. And I'm like, sure, whatever, that sounds good. So we get back to the homestead, and I'm just exhausted because I had too much wine to drink at dinner. So I just said to Dennis, I just need to take like a 10-minute nap. So I lay down to close my eyes, wake up about an hour later, and Dennis is like, well, the sunset's almost over. But I, he's like, do you, do you want to go down and look at the sunset? And I look up out of our room. Of course, we can see Lake Michigan. I can see the, the, the horizon. I go, are those rain clouds out there? He goes, yeah, but if we go really quick, we can still catch the sunset. I'm like, nah, no thanks. We can pass tonight. So the next morning. The next we, morning. We fast forward to Sunday, right? <laughs> so I don't know what we did. We probably, you know. Did a little shopping in Glen Arbor, went to Cherry Republic or whatever. And now we're headed home, but we're not. We're taking the long way home, which is our favorite way, is to go to Sleeping Bear Dunes, which is south of our inn. So we go to Sleeping Bear Dunes, and Dennis pays $10 to get in. It's a national forest. And, of course, it's just stunning, stunning views of Lake Michigan from up there. But there's 11 stops. And so we get in, and we we go to the first stop, and, you know, Dennis is like, let's hop out. I said, okay. So we hop out, and, of course, Dennis is, like, rummaging around in the back of the vehicle for this wine bag. 
and it's dark blue. And I think, did I give that to you as a gift? I can't remember. I don't remember. But anyway, so he's got the wine bag, and I'm thinking, oh my God, there's all these people here. What are you going to do, whip out a bottle of wine, and we're going to start drinking wine? Um, and so I didn't say anything. I just remember thinking it was weird that you had the wine bag at stop number one, which overlooks Little Glen and Big Glen Lakes. So then we go to the second stop to look out the overview there, and then the third, the fourth, the fifth. We get all around. At every stop, Dennis is grabbing this wine bag. And finally, I think on the 11th stop, I was like, why do you keep grabbing the wine bag? He goes, oh, I just think maybe we'll find some place where we can just have like a little mini picnic and have a glass of wine and some crackers and cheese and whatever. And apparently you had that thing all packed. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. The place was so crowded. It was packed. It was like the first weekend after all the kids got out of school. It seemed like everybody was at Sleeping Bear Dunes. So we go around. Now it's time to leave. And Dennis looks at me and he says, well, should we go home or should we go around the park again? And I was like, well, you spent $10. You might as well go around again. So we did. So Dennis is driving, and he's just so calm, cool, and collected. And we go under the covered bridge to go to the first lookout here. And he goes, I'm just looking for a place. I'm just looking for a place where somebody could ask somebody else to get married. I said, what? And you looked at me. I go, are you trying to propose to me right now? And you're like, just hold on, hold on. So you like, we went through the covered bridge and you pulled over to the right hand side and you jumped out of the car and you went and you popped the trunk and you're like fiddling around. And I mean, this seemed to be going on forever, right? So of course I am so impatient because I'm, what are you doing? So I get out of the car, I go back there and you're, and you've got this big bag. It's a big white bag from Becky Beauchene Kalka, who's a wonderful jeweler in Okemos, Michigan. And I'm thinking... What is this? Is this a necklace? Is this a bracelet? What is it? And so basically he hands me the bag with the open trunk. He like looks at me and goes, here, this is for you. And I said, okay. And so then I open that up and there's a box and then there's another box. And then there's a third box. Finally get down to the, what I think might be a ring box. Open that up. Sure as heck, it's a beautiful ring. It's the ring I'm wearing today. And I look at the stone and I go, I hope that's a cubic zirconia. Do you remember that? Because I didn't yes, want I, do. I didn't want you to buy me a diamond because I had a friend that was a diamond guy and a he diamond broker. Diamond broker, yeah. And he was gonna get us a diamond whenever the time was right. And I remember you saying, Yes, it's a cubic zirconia. I'm like, Okay, good. I go, Well then the answer is yes. <laughs> So I don't even know if you ever asked me to marry you, but I was like all over it. Oh, yeah. But do you know what was interesting is that you told me that you were driving around with that engagement ring in the trunk of your car since December, and this was June. And I'm thinking to myself, how come I didn't smell that diamond? You know, I can't go anywhere. They're odorless. <laughs> I, you know, I can't go anywhere without smelling like chocolate. Like I know when somebody has chocolate in their house. And I'm thinking, how could I not know for six months that you're driving around with this Becky Beauchene Kalka bag in the trunk of your car? And I know why I, I, I didn't know about it because I don't snoop. I'm not a snooper. Well, you're not. We used to have a dog named Snoop, by the way. You're <laughs> clearly not a dog. <laughs> But I think the reason was that when 
you told me that your girlfriends were asking you if you were going to get engaged at Christmas time. And this was right around Thanksgiving time. And I could tell that this, your girlfriends asking you about it was making you a little bit sad. No, I didn't want to get married at Christmas. No, no, no. I it think wasn't your to mother get married. told you. It was the getting engaged. Oh, I think your mother even said to you, don't ask her to marry you. Don't get engaged at Christmas. I think even your mother coached you against that. So I think uh, that's why you had the ring at Christmas, but you didn't give it to me. So this is the opportunity for me to tell my story. Okay, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> I gotta so, work on my sound effects. So when I realized that these girls asking you was making you a little bit sad, <laughs> making you maybe even a little bit mad, I, I'm I said, sure I uh, oh mad. gosh, this is it. I, I am now thinking that I've got to do this right now for Lois. So I hurried out, and we had already looked at some rings, and I knew yeah. which one I wanted, and I thought you might be impressed with it. So I said, I'll go get that. I'll be ready. And when I give it to her, when I make the proposal, she'll say yes, and then we'll go get the real diamond and take out the cubic zirconia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and a good plan. So then you told me about your girlfriends asking you again, and you said, you're not planning to ask me at Christmas time because I absolutely would hate to get engaged at Christmas time. <laughs> so instantly I pulled in my plans oh and my God. started Whack jobs telling you when to propose. That's not right, is it? And started looking for the golden opportunity. And so several times between January 1st and June 14th of that year, I tried to find you in the mood. And you mean in the mood to get proposed to? In the mood well, to be is, proposed what, what to. What constitutes so what would have what would have been <laughs> what would have been the right mood? Not being cranky and cranked off. <laughs> and so several times uh, I'm as dying. I'm going one place or another, I've got this ring in my trunk of my car. And the thing that was really interesting is Lois left out what was the links that we went to. I reserved a Mustang convertible for this trip. And so we had a hard time getting the Mustang convertible because like the Seinfeld episode, keeping the reservation is much more important than, and holding the reservation is much more important than making the reservation because we got there and they claimed they didn't have it. But ultimately, we got the car and we got on the road. But the the weekend was changed because of the delays, changed because, you know, I had to cook something for feeding my darling. And we had to watch the game. We had to watch the game and we had... This late start up north, and it was exhausting, no question about it. We got to the place, and they were closed, so we had to call and get instructions. So there's just one delay after another. So I could understand why she was not in a good mood on Saturday. And then Saturday <laughs> night came, and I had made arrangements with one of the staff there to set us up with a couple of beach chairs, and I had a coffee can ready and I had the guy bribed 
to put that ring in the coffee can underneath the chair that was facing the beach <laughs> to the right. So you're telling me the ring was down at the beach. I made arrangements to get it down there if I thought you'd go down. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but since you were never quite willing to go down to the beach, it never was happened. nasty weather coming, yeah. So... I was a the, pistol. You were a... That's a polite word to... Yes, a, a pistol. Pistol-packing so, mama. Saturday went by, no proposal. Sunday, tried to get her out there at uh, sunrise. And, of course, the sunrise would be behind the hill, but it was still beautiful. You know, the view from the homestead mm -hmm. end is gorgeous. It is, yeah. Lois was not having any of that, so we were going to go home. And we went to the... Sleeping Bear Dunes on our way home, which is what we liked to do. And at every stop and in between the stops, I kept commenting about how beautiful this place was. And have you ever seen anything quite so beautiful? And every time I said something like that, Lois was throwing a wet blanket on it. No, I've been to Europe. I've been here. It's much more I've been beautiful. To California. I've, I've been, been there. there. I've been, yeah, different places. And somewhere I've got a picture of Lois. I got her to sit on the back of the convertible in the back seat. And she sat there and she had such a grumpy face on. <laughs> now, I will make this a PG. She did manage to reveal a little more skin for this particular photo, but she still had such a grump on that uh, clearly it was not the time. So we made our way every single stop. She was telling the story correctly. I tried to get her to go sit in the sand with me or go for a walk and carry that wine bag. Finally, when we got to the end and about to exit the park, there's a split, a Y, right in front of us. And I said, so do I go left or go right? And she says, what do you mean? I said, well, if I go right, we leave the park and we go home. If I go left, we go back into the park and maybe I could find a good place to ask you a really important question. <laughs> and you said, what kind of question? I says, well... We need to find a place so I can ask you. But you said something about, I'm looking for a good place where somebody could ask somebody to get married. Yes. And that was like, what? Put on the brakes, baby. So I was like, what the heck? We went back into the park. Yeah. And the first stop was the covered bridge, which I had tried before with no success to get her <laughs> to lighten up a little bit. And so she says, here it is. Pull over. Pull over. So I pulled over and she said... When I went to the trunk, she, I waited patiently as long said, as I could. Which was this about better not seconds. be a necklace. She was still. In I her... thought it was a necklace because of the size of the bag. I was, you know, I got, I jumped out and looked, and uh, and the bag was huge. Okay, huge. It was practically a shopping bag. And she was in a really good mood, as you can tell. She was not having any of it. So, ultimately, we got down to the ring, and I made a proposal, and she said yes, and my life changed forever. And then, of course, I felt like a heel, like I felt so As horrible. As you should have. Because I was so mean all weekend. <laughs> but I do have to say this, because I know why I was mean and nasty on that trip. Because in March, I point blank said to you, because we had been dating already for three years, and I was like, 
one of our situ you know our situation like when we met was like we were looking for a lifetime partner and I figure you need to date somebody for 18 months to two years to kind of figure out if they're the one and so here we are coming up on three years and of course you know we, we've gone and looked at rings but nothing's really happened and so I did ask you in March hey do I need to be ready for anything special on our annual trip to Glen Arbor in June because if so, I want to get my nails done. You know, I'm trying to clue him in on what girls do when they know that they're going to get proposed to. They get their nails done. They go out and buy a new negligee. You know, they get their toes done. They get their hair done. They do all this primping and getting ready for like the best sex that your future husband is ever going to have. And so I said to Dennis, is there anything that I should be looking forward to or expecting or anything like that on our big trip in June? And you're like, no, I can't think of anything. So I was pissed off, <laughs> pissed off. And from March to June, I even thought about potentially canceling going on the trip because I thought, why am I continuing to date and hang out with this guy when he has no intention of proposing marriage to me? Yet we've gone and looked at rings before the holidays and all this. Nothing's happened. He's not pulling the trigger. And I even was starting to hatch a plan of dumping you by Labor Day that summer because I thought, you know, he has a lot of fun during the summer, and we do take a lot of fun trips, so maybe I'll keep dating him through the summer. But come Labor Day weekend, I'm going to drop him like a hot potato <laughs> because, you know, you hadn't proposed. So so that's why I was so nasty on the trip. I just was so disappointed starting out on the trip that there was nothing special that was going to happen. And then you totally shocked me, which you've only done twice in my whole life. You getting the tattoo in Las Vegas, which we probably have already talked about on this podcast. And then you proposing to me like that. And I mean, I, and then I felt, I felt so bad. I felt I had to spend the rest of Sunday making it up to you. You know, we went out for a nice lunch after you proposed yeah. and yeah, we had a beautiful time and we've had a beautiful time ever since. So, well, it was a great experience and it is an opportunity to remind you that I am the soul of discretion, though I don't always act like it. <laughs> I am really good at not doing anything that is literally wrong. And you asked me the question, should I expect anything? And I didn't want to tip off the surprise. So, of course, I was able to say, no, you shouldn't expect anything. <laughs> you said it just like that. Just like that. Now, ladies out there in our audience, if you heard your man talk to you like that, would you not be effing pissed? Yes, you would. You would be so mad, just like I was. Well, let's say it was not the first time and certainly not the last time. <laughs> but the fun part is Lois has her version of this story and I have mine. Yes. And you know what, though? I will say this. You were the prince of patience in spite of me being cranky and nasty and not so nice on that weekend. Because I was, I, I literally was like, why am I even on this trip if there's no future? I didn't even want to be on the trip. So, but you were so kind and so patient because you, you had the master plan. So you had the alt, you knew what was going to happen on the trip. I did not. So, well, I didn't but know it you was were so, going to be quite so cranky. But it was kind of you to put up with me because you very it, well could have said, kindness. bag it. You could it have gone, kindness. this this chick's out of control. Yeah, it wasn't And not kindness. in a good way. <laughs> it wasn't kindness. It was love. 
Yeah. And when I realized back in, you know, November, December, the year before, that me not asking you was hurting you, I realized that I had to ask you as soon as possible. And, of course, the timing was not good because you kept throwing obstacles in my way. But it all worked out because I loved you and you loved me, even though you were going to dump me. <laughs> well, you're stuck with me now, baby. Okay, well, I don't feel like I'm stuck. I might be stuck on you. I feel like I'm stuck on you like glue. Yes, like you are. Glue. Yep. Denpo, you are so cute and so adorable. Well, I love you, Lois. I can't help it. I love you, honey. Well, okay. Wow. We don't edit this thing, so it'll be interesting to go back and listen to it along with everybody else. Yeah. It's always fun to listen to these, and I hope that our family members who listen to them find them productive and insightful. And hilarious. I hope you find some humor because, you know, we're just trying to lighten up. Lighten everything up. Unless you've heard the stories before, in which case you might have corrections to phone in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't mind embellishments either, so. Well, you know, one of the things that I've learned to say about Lois is she never lets the facts get in the way of a good story. You are darn right, honey bunny. <laughs> you are absolutely right. And I love to be animated and tell stories and do this with my eyes when I tell the story. Like, oh my gosh. So anyway... All right, darling. I love you, Lois. I love you, honey. Have a good week, everybody. We love you. Kisses. Bye. Bye.